time. Yes! Oh, it's just in time again at the PGA Championship. Now on the team, your host from Anaheim, California, Trent Rush and Nico Bellini. The book was written, the stage was set. We were ready. We were ready for Rory McElroy to be with the likes of Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, Sam Sneed, Bobby Jones, old Tom Morris, young Tom Morris. The 150th Open at St. Andrews was ready to go. It was laid out perfectly for Rory McElroy to be a champion today. He is not. He got got. Cam Smith, 30 on the back, fires a 64. And on a day where McElroy was conservative all afternoon, it was Smith that charged, and he ends up winning the tournament. What a open that was. We're going to do basically some open post game here, is what we're doing uh, here on the radio. My name is Trent Rush. We got Nico Bellini back in studio as well. Nico, uh, just before we, we, there's so much to get to. Just initial reaction to Camp Smith as the 2022 Open champion. That course suits his game very well. He is very precise with his irons. He's very precise with the putter. I mean, he can sort of walk around that golf course with precision. And, um, you know, you mentioned about Rory. Remember when Tiger was coming onto the scene and he wins, I think it was 2000 or 2001, kind of his, one of his dominant years, and Jack is kind of fading off into the sunset, right? And as they're crossing 18 and 1, you know, Tiger is teeing off. Yeah. I don't think Tiger gave the tip of the cap, but Jack's walking off the end of a career, and Tiger's just beginning his. And you saw it this Friday with Tiger walking up 18 and Rory sitting there tipping the cap. So when Rory stormed into the lead, you're like, this is destiny. This is destiny. Because we're used to seeing it with Tiger. But then you realize how good, how special Tiger was because – those moments that you thrived for on Thursday or Friday, you're like, man, this is the story. Tiger's the only guy that always fulfill that destiny, fulfill that story, where everybody wanted Rory. This was it. This was the event with the live controversy, the tip of the cap to Tiger, you know, the love and support that he's been shown by the golfing community. And he's he's the leader of the guys. He's the leader of the PGA Tour. He's the spokesperson. And he didn't get it done. Like, it, it's a bummer. I think everybody's bummed out about that. I mean, he had a long second shot, but he had to hold it to force a playoff, and everyone's gathered there on 18. They're chanting his name. I think it's hard to put into perspective what Rory McIlroy means to the British Isles. I mean, it, it's not – I mean, all those countries. I don't think that there is an athlete in the United States that has the ability – to capture all of like those nations the same way that Rory McIlroy can in the British Isles. I just don't think that there is an athlete like that. And on this stage, you're right. From the live controversy to the idea of Tiger passing the torch, I think at Rory's I, I, I hate to use the you know the, the phrase that he's on the back nine of his career, but because he's he's probably on like eleven. You know, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. like he's it's not like he's at the very end, but he's been a factor for a long time. So I don't know that it was a true generational passing of the torch, but you did feel a sense of who is the man in golf. And forever it's been Tiger. In fact, today it still might be Tiger Woods. But you felt like if Rory could get this one on that stage to get to a fifth major win, to erase the demons. I mean, we've talked about Rory that came up. We talked about Rory 2.0. We've talked about how Rory now is 3.0 and and the leader of this group. You really felt like this is the one, and I'm so glad you brought up the perspective of Tiger because you're right. The storybook endings. You know, 2000. what kind of appreciation does this give you now more so for 2008 at Torrey Pines or even 2019 at Augusta? What Tiger was able to do we wanted Rory, I say we, everybody in golf wanted Rory so badly for this to be the one. Didn't happen. Couldn't, right. do, couldn't, couldn't do what Tiger could do. Isn't it crazy? I mean, with Tiger's career, you know, at Torrey Pines, could you imagine if Tiger wins the US Open with a busted up knee? Yeah. Wins. Yeah. Could you imagine if Tiger wins this British Open with Jack passing the torch? Wins. 
Could you imagine? Like Tiger always came through in the clutch. He started in '97. Yeah, for these storybook moments. And Rory, he he's there. And you mentioned his career about, like I said, he's definitely not on the back end. But the more you go on in your career, the more scar tissue you develop, and the more scar tissue you develop. So, and you've seen it with Spieth, with Rory, yeah. with Brooks. When they're younger, they come out hot, and you think there's going to be there's going to be a dominant run. But golf is so difficult to sustain that level for such a long period of time because you're just you know you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna lose tournaments you're gonna catch bad breaks and that develops scar tissue so Rory physically is just as good as ever but you just kind of keep running into these situations where you lose and that that wears you down a little bit when you're younger you're fearless and you think I'm gonna win loads of these things and then the older you get it just gets harder and harder there's more guys who are just as strong, just as good, all that kind of stuff with Rory. And the other deal with Rory's, with Dustin Johnson, with Brooks Kepka, with DeChambeau, with Cam, all these guys who have been good for quite a while, Rory's been the best for the longest time. Like I said, I was at, I played Q school with Rory the first time when he turned pro. You know, we roll into Oxfordshire Golf Club in England. He had just come straight from the Walker Cup. So it was him and a guy named Lloyd Saltman. And Lloyd Saltman was like this 6'6", Scottish strapping dude, bombed it. I thought he was a better player. I played a practice round with Lloyd Saltman, and I thought, man, this guy's a stick. And then I played with Rory, and he's like kind of a little guy. He hit it great. He putted not very well at all. Yeah. Um, he had a Scotty, but he was pure. But at no point do you think this guy's going to be a number one player in the world. I'm like, he's good, but I've seen him. I've seen him everywhere. We both get through first stage. And I remember three weeks later, he was invited to the Alfred Dunhill at the old course. So the Alfred Dunhill is at, you know, that kind of pro-am, like the, right. their, their version of the Pebble Beach pro-am, and he finishes second. And never, you know, he made enough money in that week to get in the reshuffle and sure. never look back. And uh, But he's been doing it for a long time. I mean, that's 2000, I don't know, 2009, 2008. Like, it's been a long time he's been out there. So he's been good for a long, a long time. You just wanted this one so bad for Rory. I mean, we haven't even really gotten a chance to talk about Cameron Smith, who's the champion. But, like, today... Rory goes and shoots a 70, and he 36 putts, two putts every hole, no bogeys. And I was listening to PGA Tour radio, and, and they were going through the point of, well, he didn't do anything wrong. I think that the one thing that we've learned in sports, which is especially true in golf, just because you don't do anything wrong doesn't mean you've done enough to win. You know, I, I think like in baseball, so many times, like you can put together a really good at bat and and draw a key walk, and and you did everything exactly right. But you know, maybe your team needed a home run in that moment. And I think Rory, need, there were a couple putts that were like from ten to fifteen feet today. That you know, if Rory drips any of those, we're probably having a very different conversation right now. I just think that. He was very conservative today. He was very good off the tee today. And, again, he didn't do anything wrong. But it took an elite's unprecedented performance. We've never seen a 64 on Sunday to win the Open. And that's what Cameron Smith did today. And he was, I mean, Bree's the first five holes on the back nine. I mean, the guy was lights out. He put the pressure on. Everyone thought coming into today it was going to be McElroy and Hovland in match play to the finish. Hovland was never in it. Um, and and the Camerons come out of nowhere and were, were simply dominant. I, not out of nowhere. They were in the second-to-last group, but there was a sizable gap coming into today. It doesn't feel like Rory gave this one away. It doesn't feel totally like Rory let it slip, but Rory got passed by somebody that had a much, much better day today. You, you almost wished that Cameron Smith caught Rory sooner. In my opinion, it is very difficult to play golf with a lead because you don't have to go out and win it. You can just sort of maintain your lead and don't make mistakes and you might win. And I think Rory was in that middle ground where it's like, I, I should be aggressive, but I am still leading by two. Like right. kind of the first nine holes, he was up by two most of the time. Most, most of the day he was up by two shots. Yeah, and then all of a sudden Cameron Smith kind of you know poured on early in the back nine. You sort of hope, I enjoyed that. When I, when I had leads, I'd usually you know, give it away pretty early. But then all of a sudden it's like, all right, now I'm tied or one back. Now it's go time. Now I got to lock in, focus. I'm not worried about making mistakes. I'm worried about making birdies to win, to take the title. Where I think Rory, the first nine holes, was kind of like, all right, I'm ahead early. 
you know, just don't screw it up. These guys might not catch me. He's playing, you know, firm, fast. And Rory had wedges, I think, on every hole in the front nine besides par threes. So it was there for the taking. And by the time Cam Smith caught him, right, Rory's kind of starting the back nine and it just maybe it was not. It's kind of a, it was a frustrating day at that point for Rory. He wasn't dripping putts. He had a lot of near misses. It wasn't like he was putting poorly today. He just, I, I would, I would think that Rory, looking back on today, would probably think he could have done a much better job approaching. I mean, he had a lot of shots inside of a hundred yards that he left himself 10, 15 feet. I mean, and he, you got, you got to make those. But I mean, at some Rory probably from from. Inside of 100 yards, he's got to be thinking he's got to stick some. And that just didn't really happen today. So the pins, there were pins that were very tucked. And with a wedge in your hands, I bet you Rory was thinking like, all right, I don't need to bury this hole. Let's just kind of get it close, give myself a look. Where Cam Smith, it's green light all day for him, right? And it's a different mentality. I mean, you anybody that's played sports understands when you're playing from behind versus playing with the lead. Or... In anything, whether you're playing horse in your backyard with your buddies, you know, basketball or anything. Like even when you're in baseball, if you're ahead of the count and then you kind of start, you know, pushing offers behind the count. Like it's it's a different mentality of how you approach the situation. And Rory having those wedges on Thursday or Friday probably has a lot of green lights. Like I need to make birdies because the score's sure. low. Now the two-shot lead, he's like, well, just don't make a stupid mistake. Right. The pin's tucked. Just don't over, don't pull the wedge long left and all of a sudden you're, you're trying to scramble to save par. I think about the movie Sea Biscuit, yeah. and you know what they, you know, the, the little secret that nobody yeah. wants to know is, is, hey, let him pass you, so yeah. Sea Biscuit can get a look at what's ahead, mm-hmm. and then he goes and and it, it, it's almost the same kind of a thought there, with you know the horse race that is a leaderboard of a major championship. Uh, you just you, you just felt like, yeah, Rory was really conservative all day today. He, he gave himself. Okay, birdie chances, but he did. It's not like he missed like five footers that he, oh man, that gave that one away. And there were a couple that sure he should have made, but he, I didn't think he put poorly. I didn't think he approached poorly. He was fine, it, but fine wasn't enough to win when greatness was on the old course. And, and that was what Cameron Smith did today. You know, and Rory, and I've mentioned it before, there's two golfers that I can think of right now that never had a hitch in their swing. And it was Rory and Angel Cabrera. When I say hitch, every every golfer under pressure, I mean Tiger, right? He's got a big hitch. When you're nervous, you kind of have that delayed, you know, hold, wrap around, like through impact. You don't want to lose it right. So you kind of flip the wrist over. It's kind of a funky finish. And oftentimes it flies all right. But, you know, Rory number nine, for example, he had this like hitch driver swing where he kind of just yeah. fanned it to the right. That's like his protective swing. And he, I've never seen him have that. And he had it there. That's just nerves. And when I see that, I see a little bit of nerves. He did it there. He did it on a couple of drives on the back nine where it wasn't that Rory flush to the finish smoke tee shot. And it was like a little nervousness. Just don't overhook it. You saw Cam Young snap it on number nine to the yes. jump. I'm sure Rory's sitting there was like, all right, I got to – I forgot what he was, <laughs> one or two up. Or, yeah, yeah I think like, a two shot at the time. Yeah, just don't make a mistake. And he kind of fanned it out to the right. But again – now he's got like a, a tricky pitch shot, and he kind of goes high with it, then misses the putt. Just a little nervy. Where on a Thursday or Friday, if he's if he's one sure. back there, he's not making that swing. No, I bet you he's just lacing it right at the gut. You know, two putting for birdie. Or now he's like, I ah, just don't make a mistake. Speaking of nerves, or maybe lack thereof, Cameron Smith does not seem to me like he's on a nervous bone in his body. I mean, that that guy is is cool, is calm under pressure. He made one mistake today. And that was on 17, his approach on 17, where he ends up on the left side where he's got a little, he has a, a full pop bunker between where he was and the hole and goes way off to the side, but still got it to within 10 feet and was able to get up and down from what looked like prison. That looked like a sure bogey. Yeah. He ends up making that par to me is, I thought, what won him the tournament today. And, you know, to, to be able to cover, I, I think that. You, know, you almost expect everybody down the stretch is going to have a, a nervous moment at some point. It's how do you respond to that? And Cam Smith made a mistake. It wasn't a brutal mistake because he was able to recover, and, and and he stepped up, and he did what he had to do and makes that par on 17 on the road hole that w- w- wins the tournament. I mean, that was, that was unbelievable. Well, that hole, 
17, you just have to avoid the road. You avoid the road and you avoid the bunker because those guys know that bunker, if you watch it, right, it's kind of a depression. So you can sort of put it around yeah. and give yourself a look at it. So just don't go on the road, don't go to the bunker, and you have a chance to get up and down. And what was he at the time? Was he one up or two up at the time? I was driving. So man, he, was, he was one up. So he was one up. So he knows that bogey's not going to kill him, and he's still birdie 18. And he probably, you know, played a little conservative. You can put it and wrap it around the edge of the bunker. And at this point, you know, Cam was playing from behind all day. Yeah. And now he had the lead. But again, now you're on the last two holes, so you're not you're not sleeping on the lead. You're not building up the nerves all day. All of a sudden, you're in the fight. There's nothing I wanted to do more when I had a lead besides tee off. I wanted to get off. Like, you know, send me out to the golf course. I don't want to wait around all day till my 3 o'clock tee time or whatever it is. Like, send me out. I want to start playing. I want to get in the action. Because all day, you're sitting there thinking, I'm the champ. Like, I'm, I'm the winner. I'm the winner. If it ends right now, I am the winner. But you got 18 more holes to go. To get the job done, and Cam Smith's like, oh, what is it? I'm three, four back going to today, or however many back he was. And sure, little he's going free. He's going green lights. Yeah, he's got nothing to lose. You know, he, they don't care about finishing fifth, seventh, ninth, or whatever. They want to win. At that, Cam Smith in his point career wants to win. And then when he finally grabbed hold of the lead, you're so immersed in the game, and you're so immersed in what you're doing. There's no time to that, you know, for the nerves to kind of grab you. He had. 19 fewer putts than Rory McIlroy over the course of the week. He had 90, he was he was not missing putts. Like and, and to your point, even on 17 when it is nervy and, and you're right, he had he bogeyed, he still could have won this tournament knowing that, you know, 18 is a birdie hole. That said, like he he had to also have the feeling and the confidence like if he gets it to within 15 feet, like he's just not going to miss. Yeah, and and the greens at St Andrews and in Scotland in general during the Open Championship, they're always about a foot or two slower than PGA Tour greens. So you're not worried about running putts by. They're more difficult to make because I, you know, when greens are fast, you can trickle a ball in, and when greens are slow, the speed's got to be more critical because it hits the brakes faster. When it hits the brakes faster, you have to judge it better because you neither wind up just short or you power it four or five feet by and Cam Smith didn't have he didn't have fear in his putting stroke he wasn't worried about he, he had the tempo right he was good to roll it two three feet by you know and he was confident enough his stroke looked great by the yeah. way on camera it really did Tiger's one guy where when you get that warm cam his stroke in 25 plus years <laughs> has never changed yeah. everybody's got a little wigglies you know, Rory's got a little wigglies. Everybody, Speed's got a little wigglies. You know, everybody's got something. But Cam Smith's stroke looked pretty money. And his game, I, I mentioned about how you want to play to win versus how you want to play out of respect for the game. And Tiger, that little bump and run you hit on 18 on Friday when he missed a cut was pure class. And I love watching that. And I was watching rounds leading up to the tournament and you saw Tiger practicing that kind of stuff. And I don't know whether this hurt or helped Rory, but watching that last round today, a lot of the shots where he could have taken a nine iron and kind of hit a little more bump and run and judge better, he kind of took it with like a 54 degree, like a gap wedge Mm -hmm. or 52 degree and hit kind of those one hop stoppers, which is fine. I just hate watching that because it, it just eats at my soul of like how the game should be played. It's like they're taking a lot of the beautiful elements of the game, of the creativeness, out and just going more aerial. Um, so I don't know if that, you know, if you could have played it a little differently, but the nerves could catch you. You just want to play what you know. And Rory lives in the States, and the States have softer golf course, so he's going to go more aerial. Boy, it looked firm out there. Yeah, I mean, it looked it looked ridiculous. I mean, uh, the old course. I, so I haven't played the old course. I mean, I feel like I, mm-hmm. I've read as many books as you possibly could about it, and, and seen all the opens there. And um, you know, it, it looked really, really firm. Um, did you have any issue with twenty under being the winning score? No, because it's usually pretty low when yeah. there's no winds. The wind's the only protection from that golf course. And like I said, it, it actually hole eleven today. The par three, mm-hmm. the famous Eden hole. That pin was two or three paces from the back edge where it drops off. 
I don't care what you're hitting, whether it be a four iron or a nine iron. It's actually more fun when you have a short iron because you want to be aggressive. With the four iron or five iron or you know seven iron, you're not really going after that flag. But with a wedge or a nine iron or a pitch, it's like, well, I'm just this is a birdie opportunity. But if I roll it three feet by, it's down the hill. Now I'm bringing bogey into play, where it's like I, I just had a wedge in my hand. It's one thing to hit a four iron and it trickles long. It's like, ah, it's a tough hole, but you have a wedge in your Right. So when they tuck the flags and you're hitting wedges all day, you want, you know, this that, it's that middle ground that Rory was in. He's ahead. He's got a wedge. Just don't make a stupid mistake. But then he's also wasting birdie opportunities. Yeah. He hits it to 15 feet. Yeah. Misses the putt. Tap in par. Yeah. On to the next. I mean, that was the entire day for Rory today. He, and, and it's like, hey, let the guys catch me. And they did. Yeah. And one of them did. And then by the time he tried to turn it on, the back nine, those... 14, 15, 16 are a little tougher than that loop of 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, where you can kind of make some birdies. I mean, that's such a good point you bring up about Rory that, yeah, okay, let these guys catch me. It took a historic performance, but if you are going to reach that legendary status, you got to go take it. Like, it yeah. doesn't just get handed to you. Going back to 11 for a second, I loved, there's, there's a billion things I love about the old course, but some of the ridges there, I mean, there was some on that hole. It's like if you're on the right side, it's going to feed right to the cup, and everything's going to be right there. But if you miss by a foot, that thing could be. A, you can now have a 50 foot putt yeah, on the other yeah, side on correct. the same. But, but one one foot difference uh, was crazy. So I mean, that's that's kind of the beauty of of the link style golf. Is that something like? I know at the end of the day, you have to play what is most comfortable. But I would think that if you are a student of the game, and maybe this isn't the thought on the PGA Tour, and it's you know certainly not the thought in a major championship like the Open, but there's got to be a temptation, if you have any appreciation at all for what's come before you, to want to play St. Andrews a certain way. And we, like you said, we just didn't see a whole lot of that this week. Not as much as I thought. Not as much as I thought. I mean, you saw a bump in runs, but I'm talking true, classy, like old school the ball barely gets off the ground. A lot of the bumper runs you saw were kind of those hard pitches into the slopes. Like they'll take a gap wedge and kind of hood it and hit this low hard pitch, one hop it up the slope and trickle down versus like a nine iron and you get it rolling. Like Tiger was doing that. You get it rolling early because when you get, if you work on that, you can get very, very good. And St. Andrews, the beauty of Lynx golf is that it is consistent when you're doing that. You know it's going to be firm bounces. Yeah. Like it's very difficult to do it here in Southern California, with the Kakuya fairways and the Bermuda fairways and the grain. Like you could hit a great shot, but it might take a soft bounce or a firmer bounce. Where there, it's going to be a pretty consistent bounce. The lower you get it, and you want to land it on kind of the, the, the low bowls area because yeah. those low bowl areas, if you land it short, it kicks it forward. If you land it a little too far, the slope slows it down. And if you land it right in the bowl, it just rolls right up the hill. I want to go through just just a couple names on the leaderboard real okay. quick. So uh, Cameron Smith wins at 20 under. Cameron Young, we haven't even talked about Cameron yeah. Young, a rookie with an unbelievable performance. Eagles 18 to get to 19 under. Uh, he finishes second. Rory finishes in third at 18, shoots a 70. Then a, a big gap after that. But I thought a couple interesting names. We saw quite a bit of Dustin Johnson on the telecast. I think he was the only live golfer that was shown at 80 point. Uh, T6. 13 under Bryson. We we saw him at a putt on uh, on 18. I thought for Bryson to get a uh, how about how about this group that's the the T8 group. DeChambeau, Cantley, Spieth. Those are those are your T8 guys. Can, uh, Cantley was in, Cantley was in there early on. By the way, so what did Rory do on 18? I was driving into the studio. Uh, the, the, could he drive the green? Yeah, and he was I, I just off. So, just off so he had so, like a little pitch or a, yeah, a putt. Yeah, he, he had like a yes, he had like a pitch. He had a He's pitch make that it. you have to make, so and he, he, put it, he put it twenty feet by. Gotcha. I mean, it hit the edge. Yeah. Hits the edge, goes twenty feet by. Do you remember? Do you, do you remember Constantino Roca in the '95 British Open against John Daly? So, John has it sealed up, right? Basically, right. He's he's got a one shot lead going into 18 at St Andrews, and it's. It, I remember watching this thing live. He is in the you know the RNA watching it with his wife at the time. And Constantino is 15 yards short of the green, right? And the pin's back. Pretty easy up and down. But it's the last round of the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Flubs it into the Valley of Sin, right? Now it's like kind of over. 
and from 80 feet just cans it. Like with Rory, if I was watching it live, I'd be thinking, okay, here, here's another Tiger-like destiny thing. Not that Tiger would make it, but he always yeah. seemed to make the putt or hit the shot when he had to do it, no matter what the odds are. Um, so I was kind of thinking what about was What was interesting about that, though, in 95, like Daly was already in the clubhouse. Correct. So that goes in. I mean, the emotions are so overwhelming. Now you got to go play. I, I can't remember if it's a three or a four hole aggregate yeah, yeah. that you have in the playoff. And he's riding that high on 18 that he goes in and plays the other holes. And I mean, Daly ends up kind of smoking yeah. him a little bit. I mean, that it was, it was kind of interesting. I think had Rory done something like that, had Rory like dunked it for an eagle to force a playoff, I, it would have been. First of all, like shot of all time, the way that they would have reacted there at the old course, but I, I would have almost thought that that would have charged Rory. I think Rory would have taken that yeah. and, and taken that well, and and I would have I would really liked Rory's chances in a playoff. I don't think that he would have been overwhelmed by by the flood of emotion that would have happened. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so it, it was. I was watching with a friend of mine today, and we had the main feed up. Uh, on the big screen, and then off to the side, we had like a side screen watching the featured group. Mm-hmm. And the featured group today was Cantley and Spieth. Yeah. And, and the Jordan Spieth adventure never ceases to amaze. I mean, this guy is all over the place. He's putting his hands on his head. How about this? He was T1, T1 driving, or, or, or he, was, he was first in, at least coming in today, first in driving in terms of uh, shots gained, first in approach, first in everything, dead last in putting. And, that's and, wild. and that's and that's what we saw. And that and he ends up he ends up at a T eight twelve under, but it's eight shots back. But he was stat, never in it. Stats are kind of misleading sometimes because sure. the more greens you hit, the more putts you're going to generally right. have. Right. right, right. Like I remember Stevi Ballesteros in the mid nineties when his game was kind of falling apart. He'd already pretty much lost it. He was the number one putter in Europe. Was he a better putter, or is it because he was missing so many greens? And he's a short game genius that. You just have more opportunities to get up and down. Or if you're a elite ball striker and you're hitting 18 greens all day, like Jack, Jack Nicholas wasn't always known as the greatest putter. He made putts when you had to make them. But in the course of a round, he might hit 18 greens. You're not going to hit everything to six feet. You know, you're going to two-putt a lot of times. So the stats could be a little misleading. Sure. But I know Jordan has struggled. I mean, I remember when he came out, that was his thing. Like, he was one of the top, you know, best putters in the world. And I remember the last Open at St. Andrews, um, that Zach is it? Yeah, Zach Johnson won it, right? Yes. And he makes that Jordan makes that putter. He was going for like the third straight. He won the Masters, he won the Open, the U.S. Open, and now he was going for his third straight major. And he makes his putt on 16, and you're like, it's destiny. Sure. It's destiny. He's going to do it again. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, Jordan's just kind of a wild ride. Uh, and then and then for Cantley today. Yes, I mean, shoot, through nine holes yesterday, he was in the thick of it. Yeah, he was, he was. And I think St. Andrews is a good fit for Cantley. 40, 45 holes in, like, he was one of the guys that could yeah. have won this tournament. He's a, he's a classy player. When I say classy, he he's he thinks his way around the golf course so yeah. well. Um, but it's funny, he, he always surprises me because he does well in tournaments where it's soft conditions, which I don't normally think is this type of game, but I guess it is. You know, when you think soft conditions, you think bombers. Where Cantley, I feel like, is such a good ball striker and putter. He's thinking so many moves ahead on a shot where yeah. that's part of the game. That's part of the Lynx golf is landing it 50 yards short and knowing the type of bounces, humps and bumps and all that kind of stuff that what's going to happen. Like That's why you want to go low because if you go low, you eliminate one of the variables. And one of those variables, if you go high, is that it can land soft or firm. If you go low, you know it's going to land firm. So when you go low and you know it's going to land firm, then you use the ground to sort of gather the ball up to the flag. Um, and he's the kind of player. I know that sometimes the reputation could be like, okay, well, yeah, he's great at indoor golf, as if that's some kind of a knock. I mean, he's a, a phenomenal player and ends up with the top 10 here at the Open. And, and yes, the conditions uh, were very favorable today. The scores were low compared to par at 20 under. I mean, that, that's really low, but um, it was a really, really fun tournament. As we are now, like we are almost an hour removed from uh, this one being over. Um, I'm feeling a little bit better about Rory not winning. Um, I was gutted at the time. I got on the Rory bandwagon, and it hurt. It stings. It still it still bugs me 
But as I'm looking at the leaderboard now, and I see Dustin Johnson T6, and DeChambeau T8, answer T11, really glad it wasn't a live guy. Yeah, that would have been interesting. That's where I'm at right now. I'm just glad it wasn't a live guy. It would have been interesting to see Rory win and see. I don't think he'd make any comments, but he's been sort of you know, holding no, you know, holding nothing back. Um, speaking of live guys, you see Phil Mickelson show up in a t-shirt for a practice round. That's uh, that's sacrilege to me. You go to the home of golf in a t-shirt. I could. I know there's a whole new wave of cool guy golfers and whatever it is, but no, that's disrespectful. You got the home of golf. He reminds me of Hulk Hogan when Hulk Hogan left the WWF and went to like the uh, like. Uh, NWO, the New World Order yes. group, and he and he dyed his mustache black or his beard black and started wearing all black. He's he was no longer America's hero. He was like this villain, and it feels like only wearing black now. It's just kind of funny. <laughs> uh, the RNA has absolutely zero incentive to uh, do any favors for Liv, and I think mm. that uh, we're going to see some changes, and it's it's not going to go well um, at all. I think uh, for them, at least as far as the RNA is concerned, which you know you can make the case that that was the one place where maybe Greg Norman thought he would have a chance, but uh, with what's transpired this last week, doesn't look good for majors uh, for them. We'll talk about some of that. Uh, we'll go uh, continue. It's essentially uh, the open post-game show that we're doing here, uh, at least the Southern California perspective of that uh, here on the links. He's Nico Bellini. My name is Trent Rush. You're listening to AM830 KLAA. Cam Smith, the Open champion. Roy McIlroy, man. Everybody thought coming into the day he was going to get it done. That ends up not being the case. Welcome you back to On the Links. My name is Trent Rush. Nico Bellini is here. Nico, we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week. Greg Norman was not invited to the champion's dinner. He was not a part of any of the festivities for the 150th Open Championship. I think we all know why and its relation to Live Golf and his involvement there and uh, the Saudi-backed league and everything that has been a part of that. Norman is in the thick of all of it, so gets dissed the week before the tournament by the RNA. We didn't get a chance to talk about this on air. Just what was your reaction to uh, Greg Norman being actively like uninvited? You know... Being that it's his only two majors, the Open Championship, and he's still such a dynamic figure in the game. Yeah, he was my idol growing up as a kid. I loved watching Greg play. I think it's a little petty because he's said it multiple times. He's not trying to. He's not trying to lower the importance of the majors, right? He he just wants to create another opportunity for golfers, and the RNA is not directly related with the DP World Tour, but it is based in Europe and it is, you know, they share a lot of the British boys amateur, the the, the ladies amateur, the Scottish amateur, like all these they all tie in together, the RNA and the and the and the European tour, the DP World Tour. And the DP, they host a women's LPGA event in Saudi Arabia. So it's kind of a weird it's like, right, you're gonna you're gonna not invite him because of his affiliation with this new tour. Yet the DP World Tour hosts a women's tournament over there. And I guarantee you, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I guarantee you sponsorship money over there is backed by Saudis in some way, shape, or form. I, I 100%. You can't not. So either they didn't invite him because of that or they they didn't want him to be the center of attention, which that makes a little bit of sense because if Greg does show up, you know, people are going to be talking about it. Who's going to be? Rory's going to be there. Like, Okay, can you imagine Rory and Greg? Yeah. After those exchanges they had at the same dinner, Let's put bo- them at the same table. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like it's like trying to put together the seating assignment for a, like a wedding, mm-hmm. which is the hardest part of the whole process is trying to figure out who sits where. That would have been interesting. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, I think they both would have you know rose above it and and kept their their peace. But again, they just want to avoid the situation. Like you know, let's just not deal with it. It's about the tournament. It's about this event is about the past champions. I don't want people sitting next to Greg, kind of getting up close to him. And like you know, Gary's a big. It was I'm, I'm guessing Gary was there. I didn't look through the pictures, but Gary Player. I mean, he's sponsored by, you know, he had. To, I, I didn't look either. He had. Yeah. He had to be there. So, and he's kind of a, a. He backs those events, and he backs kind of the idea of growing the game. And listen, iron sharpens iron, right? This this tournament, this tour, this live tour is going to strengthen the PGA Tour in certain ways, right? 
and there's still wild rumors of certain guys going, right? I mean, what if Cam Smith goes? Like, he's a major champion, yeah. you know? Now he's, he, I don't know. There's so many ways about it, but not inviting him at the end, you can't take away what he did. I, I went to UC, and I always talk about Reggie Bush's Heisman, and they took away his Heisman. It's like... Can't undo it. You can't undo... No matter what he did, no matter what transpired off the field, and as a Trojan, I will stand, stand my ground, right? It was not a USC involvement. It was that third-party agent involvement, but... Even if UC was involved, or whatever it is, he still performed on the field. Well, if anybody had any question about where the RNA stood, about how they perceive live, we know now. I mean, it it is crystal clear. And now there's even talk about maybe even changing some of the rules for who could be eligible for the Opens in the future. That you know, There's some talk that you have to be eligible for all tours to be able to be a part of it, which I think would be... That would be bizarre, but I, I think the bigger thing here is the official World Golf Rankings points. Yeah, you and, and they had to, and I would have thought, I would have thought going back, you know, when we were having this conversation in January and February, I would have thought, okay, you look at that, who are who, who are going to be yay votes and nay votes? You know, you know, the PGA Tour is going to be a nay vote. You weren't sure how DP World Tour would go, um, and then like it's up to the majors. Okay, how are the majors going to go on this thing? You know, USGA probably is a nay, but RNA, I probably would have thought in the A category. I thought that they would have been for it. Now that they've made this crystal clear, you know, they're not going to get the USGA. They're not going to get the RNA. I, I can't see how the Masters would vote f- to, to have Liv get official World Golf ranking points if all these other entities aren't doing it. I know they beat by their own drum, but I can't, I cannot see them uh, supporting live in this way the only thing that i think would be interesting is you go back to those near misses at augusta for greg norman had he been a masters champion had he had a green jacket would augusta turn their back on a champion on a member i don't think that they would but he's not a member. He's he's almost synonymous with Augusta because he was part of well, some of the most interesting, fascinating, unique masters of all time. But he didn't win them. He doesn't have a green jacket. Sergio does. Phil does. Yeah. So we'll you know, we'll see what yeah. happens. We'll see what happens then. Um Yeah, I, I I don't know. They're getting to the point now where right, they're drawing the line in the sand. But the issue is if it doesn't work. If more players keep going, right, then what? If more players keep going, m- bigger players, right? Let's just get wild and say Xander Schauffele and Cam Smith and Tommy Fleetwood go. Those are three. Those are three bigger, important players. So, are you not going to have those guys back for any of these majors? Like it's it's kind of wild. Where if they draw, you know, what they're doing is drawing that line in the sand to keep players there. It's like this is it. Make a decision. But if, what if it doesn't work? What if guys keep going? Do they have to? They're gonna have to rethink their decision and be like, all right, well, if more guys are going now, we gotta. We can't beat them. Let's try to work with them somehow. I heard some Max Homa comments a couple of days ago that I, really resonated with me, talking about the heart of the PGA Tour hasn't been touched. Like if you think about this, you think about you take take the PGA Tour mm-hmm. as a body. They are taking a lot of very fine players. A lot of great players are going to live. There's no denying that. But when it comes to the heart of the tour, first of all, Tiger is staunchly PGA Tour. Rory, JT, Spieth, these guys that are the the heart of it, Rom, they're all staying. True. But at a certain point, if the rest of the body is with Liv and only the heart is left, well, then what is there? And, and we could be nearing that. And and it was interesting hearing some comments at home and made, too, like, okay, well, Dustin Johnson goes to live. There, there's nobody that's going to go, oh, well, DJ went, so I'm going to go, too. Brooks Kepka, same kind of thing. Like, oh, Brooks went, so he's going to pull. That's not going to happen. If Jordan Spieth says, I'm going to go, which he's made it very clear he's not, but who knows anymore. If he goes, well, there's probably a lot of guys that go, man, Shoot, if Jordan's going to go, then maybe I should go. Why am I saying no if, if Jordan would take this? And I think that that is what's going to be interesting moving forward. So there's there's these kind of rumors going around about the live players 
combining and trying to sign up for Asian tour events to get world ranking points. Because if all the guys on the live tour go and they start playing a handful of Asian tour events, yeah, that strengthens the field. And when it strengthens the field, you get more world ranking points. Sure. That would be kind of an interesting wrinkle. And some of the Asian tour events, I believe, are still co-sanctioned with the European tour or the DP World Tour. So that would kind of just create another little wrinkle. Yeah. Where all of a sudden you got these guys playing the Singapore Open, which is now a strong field because you got right. DJ, Phil, Sergio, you know, all these like pretty good players. Bryson drawing more eyeballs, bigger sponsorship dollars, that kind of stuff. So that might be a way to kind of work around that. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'm pretty sure the Masters did come out with a, a statement a few weeks back or a month back about if they have an invitation to come to the Champions Dinner or they earn their way to the tournament, that's, they earn their way to the tournament. Right. And, and that's what I would expect. I mean, you, you're not going to change who can who stays or goes. I would expect that. I The question is, how are they going to vote on the official World Golf Rankings yeah. points? That is the biggest issue. That's, right, the, that's, that's, that's the whole that's They're the losing ball points game. or losing points, and you're not yeah. going to be able to maintain those World Ranking points um, just playing majors. Yeah, and it's not an issue today. It won't even be an issue next year. It's it's the year after. And, and guys that guys that have won, hey, Gabe, you, you if you've if you've won the Masters, like you're gonna you're gonna continue to go. Like why wouldn't you? Um, if you look at Sergio, it's kind of unique. Yeah. I wonder if he'd be okay not playing any golf all year except for the Masters, right? He, he's already he already has a lot of money. Now he's been paid, I don't know, fifty hundred million dollars. And he plays a live tour in the Masters every year. Yeah. I don't think he'd be that upset about it. He's like, I want a major. I'm sort of past my prime. Like, the chance of me winning one more are very slim. So, whatever. You know, I'm there. I've got plenty of money and I'm making more money and I can start focusing on other business ventures. Well, that's not, that's not the guy that people are worried about. No, no. Dustin Johnson could say the same thing. I think we'd all be fine with it. You know, Phil, same thing. It, the difference being, you know, it's it's the young guys. It's it's the guy. It's the top amateurs, guys coming yeah. out of college that are being shown a lot of money, and are, and how are you going to ask them to say no? Yeah. I mean that that's that's the issue. I mean that that's the root of all of this. The only way you get them to say no is hey, you can go do this, but there's no world golf rankings points. All right. Well, I mean, if you just think about people's careers, like what are your goals? What are your ambitions? For some people, it's going to be. You want to you want to hoist the claret jug, you want the green jacket. You, you those things could be important. You want to make a Ryder Cup team like like that might be important to you. And then there's going to be some people where I want to support my family. I want to have generational wealth that I don't have to worry about anymore. And and a lot of people, when you think about it, I mean, winning a green jacket and making a Ryder Cup team, I mean that is the point zero 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 one percent of yeah. the, of the world but, of but the if PGA you're, but tour. if you're a t- if, if you're a top amateur yeah, you think yeah. you can do that yeah you know I, that's the interesting part all right uh we're taking a short break when we come back i want to check in with some things locally as far as the game of golf goes and i know that, boy there is a big event happening today that almost nobody knows about and maybe we can get nico to spill uh what's happening uh here in southern california huge game that uh no no one even knows about it it's, it's an absolute <laughs> secret until i ruin the surprise uh, on the other side when we come back he's nico bellini i'm trent rush this is on the links now on the team your host from anaheim california trent rush and nico bellini from like a purely selfish perspective I'm watching the Open, and all I can think of, aside from the possible like great historical milestone and accomplishment I thought we were going to see today with Rory, how in the world do I get to St. Andrews? Like I got to get there today. I actually, this was a year I had been trying to go, but so 2020 was we all know what that was. But what it did was it pushed back all these tee times to make 2021 impossible to get a tee time which then pushed into 2022 with the Open being there this year. Like, you just it, it, just, it was not possible mm-hmm. to get a tee time at the old course. So I know that that's tough to do. I know that there are ways to do it. Um, but I, I'm watching the tournament going, man, I, I have to get to the old course. It, it's like bucket list item number one that, that that needs to be addressed. Yeah, the old course to me is – I was fortunate enough to play a tournament when I was a junior – um, it was like the U.S. versus Europe, kind of a junior Ryder Cup deal. Oh, fun. And we played in Scotland, so I got to play St. Andrews and all that kind of stuff. And then when I was playing the European Tour, I got to head over there and play a couple of times. 
Peter Thompson, I always mention him. He's he's kind of my modern day, not idol, but someone whose game I respect. He lived in St. Andrews because he just hated the way the game was played in the States. So he always played the European tour all of his life. He finally did come over the, to the U.S. as a senior when he turned 50, and he won eight times or nine times, and that was it. Went back to the sea. I can win. Now leave, <laughs> now, now leave me alone kind of deal. That's amazing. But you guys, This game you guys play over here is dumb. I'll go over and play real golf back in Scotland. So he spent a lot of time in St. Andrews. Wow. I, I, in part, like half of me detests that. The other half of me is like, you know, he's right. You know, that's, and like, you, you, especially Ireland, it's it's public. It's, it, yes, there are clubs, but if, if you have a credit card, you can get on anywhere you want. There's something to that. I mean, well, if you want to go there bad enough, you, you, can, you can go do it. You can play anywhere. Nothing's off limits. And they don't gouge you there. Like, it's, yeah. it, it's incredible. You want to go play a guest day at Oak Creek or, you know, Pelican right. Hill here, it's, it's three, four hundred dollars. Right. There, you can go play Royal Troon on an open play day for $30. Right, like they don't look at it here. So it's a Saint purely, Andrews is a muni. Yeah, it's a park on Sundays. Like it's a whole different ball game over there, and that's every golf course. I'm talking Muirfield, Troon, Carnoustie, Sunningdale, Wentworth, all, all those places. Like it's not that expensive to join these clubs if you get. You know, they respect the common man a lot more. Like they want the one, the the, the plumber, the the dentist, the local banker. Like that's kind of their. That's kind of their jam over there versus here. It's like a pure money play. I mean, some of these clubs that memberships are charging $400,000 to join a club, It's that boggles my mind to play golf. So, it, you know, because it eliminates a lot of good people that want to join a club that weren't born to certain, you know, weren't the breadwinners and aren't born to the right families and whatever it is. Maybe have money, but not that much money. You yeah, know? It, it's funny, like, you know, as a kid, you always wanted to get autographs, and then you get a little older, and it's like, well, what, what do I care about an autograph for? I, actually, you know what? I'd rather take a picture, and yeah. then you get to show off, and then you go on Instagram, and look, I got, I got a picture with this celebrity. Look, yeah. we're friends. And then it's, oh, look, I played this course. I got on this place, this exclusive opportunity that you know nobody gets to go, but I was there, and it, there's like a status elevation to it. And you just get the sense that in Scotland and Ireland, that just does doesn't exist. Well- and I always tell friends who want to do trips over there, like if you do a trip to Scotland, Ireland, wherever it is, yeah, you always see these and hear about these stories of people renting a bus, right? And there's six guys, and they have six straight days of 36 whole golf days. That that sounds terrible to me because you're not you don't have time to enjoy what you just experienced, right? You get up early, you know, shovel some breakfast, go play 18 in the morning, rain or shine finish right could you imagine finishing 18 at st andrews and instead of sitting there like enjoying a pint right next door you gotta rush to the van to get over to carnoustie or whatever it is right right and then tee off by two o'clock then you finish there you're starving you're tired you you go straight to dinner you know shovel more food in your face go to sleep and do it all again the next day and you probably go out drinking a little bit so then you're kind of buckled the next day you're not feeling great i don't know i'd rather focus on two or three golf courses Play them two or three times. Go do press work in the morning. Yeah. Have lunch. Maybe go play nine in the evening, right? And then the next day, come play 18 again. Then mosey on over. Enjoy the town. Then the following day, go do Carnoustie or Troon, like one of those places. Like, Just don't rush everything because you don't get the chance to. <laughs> you always hear it, man. Just stop and yeah. smell the flowers. Like, I feel you on that because like, so a place like Bandon Dunes where there's nothing but golf. I actually love playing 36 back-to-back days and doing that and getting all in. But now that's that's like a three-day trip and I'm out of there. If I'm going to Scotland, I want to take my time. I want to like I want to go explore. I want to go walk around the graveyard. I want to go see the. I want to go see the ruins. I want to go see the cathedral. Like I want to. I want to see those things in town. Like that would be that to me is almost as important as being on the golf course. It's like it's like one A one B. Absolutely, we're abandoned. Like I said, you're just playing golf. That's it, and, and, and you know that. Like yeah. you go on that trip, I'm not, and I'm not getting on a van to go rush all over the place. Yeah. Like I finish my round, go grab a sandwich. It's on to the next. Like I'm not. Like that's what I'm there to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, it's a different way to go about things. But I, I do think that you're kind of right. Um, buddy trips are fun. I, mm-hmm. I like buddy trips, but I, I get where you're coming from too. Of being like, you know, there's something that 
something that's good for the soul to go take your time, go get lost for a little bit. Yeah, and I'm big on solo trips because as an adult, right, the older you get, the more curmudgeon you get, the, <laughs> the more specific you want things. I want to yeah. eat this food at this time. But when you go on your own, like I said, it's kind of a cleansing thing. You can sort of mosey around, like I said, get lost. You plan your own, you can eat where you want, play when you want. Maybe not play if you don't feel like playing, just do whatever you want um, versus having the schedule and you're just firing, then everybody gets inevitably start arguing with each other about little petty stuff. You know what's funny? Like, like the part, like the small part of me that is an introvert likes being in a group mm-hmm. because that's my group, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to stray away. But it, it, like the extrovert side of me goes, well, if I go solo, look at all these friends I can make. Like on yeah. a given night, you get the chance to go meet the people and hang out, and that, that's such an important part of the experience. And, and that was part of my takeaway on this open at St. Andrews, why this one was so important was because of all of the culture, everything that this would have meant. It's too bad Roy didn't win. I, gosh, and they were pulling for him so hard. Yeah. But, yeah, it's too bad. Uh, what you got going on today? You playing any golf? Yes, I am playing a little bit of golf. Um, I'm going to go play this afternoon with Bo Hostler. Okay. And then uh, Leo Rooney, who runs the performance at UGP, Urban Golf Performance, and then another good friend of mine, Ryan Dwight, who's like a plus three handicap. So, we're going to have a good little game. I think Bo hits the road tomorrow. So here's here's my idea. We'll just do we'll just each throw in 20 bucks, right? Leo, myself yeah. and Ryan are all about the same type of player, like plus 3, 4, 5 handicaps in there. And we'll just have Bo give us like four shots. Okay. Right? Cuz I want to make Bo better. So I'm like, "Hey Bo, you should give us five <laughs> shots." Yeah. You got to shoot 63 today to beat us. I like it. You know, make him dig deep and then Dana Dahlquist is going to join us. Um who I worked with extensively. And is currently uh, Bo's teacher, and so he's gonna be out there, you know, hanging out, watching swings. I guess you don't take shots often. I've never taken shots, <laughs> never. But now this time I will. Right. I'll take shots from him. All I'll right. take shots from him. <laughs> Let me know. I'm excited to hear how it goes. Please right. send me a text. I'm looking we'll forward do. to hearing. All right, he's Nico Bellini. My name is Trent Rush. Thanks to Jake Rich behind the scenes. This has been on the links. Radio. AM 830.